they say their their prayer or something and think, oh, I'm saved. I want to follow Jesus today. And then, oh, things aren't going right. That didn't work for me. And, you know, I'm not following him anymore. And, okay, they weren't necessarily led to the Lord well, or they didn't have the grounding, the foundation to help nurture that. And um, so then they get tossed about to and fro. And so in my mind, it's not ours to tell someone they are saved or not saved, but rather to make sure they're, they're, they're receiving the gospel message and they're receiving the follow-up. Working with the local church to take the hope of Christ to every student in the United States. This is First Priority. Now here are your hosts, Steve Cherico and Brad Skelling. Welcome everybody to the First Priority Podcast. My name is Steve Cherico and with me is Mr. Brad Skelling. Your name is Steve Cherico? It is? Interesting. Well, what'd you think it was? <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> We'll just keep going. My name is Amiga Montoya. You killed my father. Prepared to die. There we go. There's exactly. Where, yeah, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank That's what you. I was going for. Love inside jokes come out. Mm. That's awesome. So why are we here, Brad? We are here to make fun of each other and to talk about first priority. <laughs> I prefer... Gosh. What? I'm just being honest. Can we not be oh, honest? Oh, poor audience. There's right? no chance. There's no chance. It's a good thing that I hosted this podcast without you. I am... Thinking about changing it from a religious podcast to a com comedic podcast. Well, then we would have only two followers instead of the 14 that we have, which is your parents, my parents, and a few others. Is religious comedy a genre? Yeah, of course it is. Is it? Michael Jr. makes a killing on it. That's true. He makes a killing. It's true. There were a couple others. That, there were a couple others, but they've struggled. So <laughs> exactly. let's keep going. <laughs> exactly. What do we got on the show today, Steve? So I have the good fortune of serving our directors out of the Tennessee One District. For those of you who are not familiar with, with what Tennessee One means, it's a congressional district that has 13 counties in the east corner of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And we currently have three local coordinators in that area. Yep. Uh, and I wouldn't say we're far off from hiring a director. I would, I would say that's coming. Yep. Um, but I get to serve them as their regional manager. And so mm -hmm. we jumped on a conversation today just to talk about what the Lord was doing with them, mm -hmm. where he was moving, where he was really transforming their lives. Yep. Uh, two of our three are brand new hires. Yep. You know, they're only about six months into it. That's right. One is a tenured employee like myself. That's right. Uh, and so they just have great perspective. I so agree. without stealing much thunder, why don't we jump in? Let's do it. Okay. I have the good fortune of leading a discussion today for the podcast out of one of our new districts. Those of you who have been following along the podcast know that we have launched a number of new districts this year. Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Kansas City is launching right now, uh, but the one that launched late last year are the guys out of what we call the Tennessee One District. Tennessee One is a congressional district out of East Tennessee, has 13 counties, approximately 159 middle and high schools, and it makes a great area for us to drop a rock in the pond and see what God will do. So through a ton of stuff that you can only blame the Lord on, we have three guys that are working together as a team out there and wanted to just have a discussion today with them. Uh, the three members of that team are Aaron Tyree, Victor Mathis, and Haley Weary, who are also on the call. Say good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I knew that was coming. Thank you, Haley. Love it. So what we thought we'd do today for the podcast is just ask for an update out of that district. Now, for those of you not familiar with East Tennessee, because I happen to live in Tennessee and a number of you may not look at that map that often. We're talking about the Kingsport, Johnson City, 
Greenville moving into Sevierville sort of area. There's 13 counties in that upper east corner. And uh, Haley, who has been there the longest, will educate us at the end in any areas that I've missed. But what I thought I'd do is jump in with Aaron this morning and ask Aaron to give us a little update out of the Kingsport area. Aaron, what I'm looking for this morning, just we'll start here, is how did you get there? How did you decide Kingsport in the midst of us planting a, a seed there and throwing a rock there? Let's talk a little bit about how you and your family got up there because you're moving there. Yeah. Um, so I'm, we're down here in South Florida and Fort Lauderdale area, greater Fort Lauderdale area. So um, been involved with First Priority for, I think I first did a club in 2006. Uh, it was the first club I ever did. Uh, one of my youth sponsors was a teacher sponsor and doing a wood shop. And he asked me to come speak for him. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. So got jumped in with um, Chris and Fred down here in South Florida and just was a campus coach and got to rock and roll with it for a number of years. Well, had some uh, church transition. And so was in the process of looking for a new position. And I had a, actually had breakfast with, um, with Fred, Fred Ravel. And he's like, Hey, can I recommend you for a job? I was like, yeah, I'm looking for God's kind of leading. And, um, had Mark Robbins call me, um, from, from first party there. And he was like, yeah, we're looking to, to hire for this area called TN one. And he's looking for kind of tri cities, Greenville, Kingsport area. And the part that he didn't know, um, and really that Fred didn't know that actually I was a youth pastor in, in Kingsport uh, for three years, and both my kids were born in Kingsport. And so I, I kind of paused. I was like, wait, are you joking? Like, is this, are you serious that, that you're looking for that area? Because not many people have ever heard of Kingsport, Greenville, unless you are either from Tennessee or in that area. So, um, so it was kind of a, you know, we always ask, I think, God for, for clear answers, clear direction. And this was certainly one for us um, that it was like, OK, well, you know, have a heart for first party, love first party, you know, the opportunity to work with students, but ultimately even to, to work with churches, uh, to give an influx of, of new believers and be that bridge straight from the greatest mission field uh, on the on in America right now, uh, straight to where those churches that need people um, and need 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 opportunities also to disciple. And so. Um, it was an awesome opportunity that we said, all right, well, let's, we want to jump in. And so started that moving process. And if anyone has moved in the end of 2021 or 2022, you realize, man, it's just crazy. So uh, been trying to work through all that, but God has been very good to us and had some uh, just been traveling back and forth and had made some really good connections. Uh, we've gotten up and going in Kingsport uh, in the two big high schools that are there, uh, Dobbins Bennett and Westridge High School. Uh, Dobbins Bennett is doing good. They've got a really good set of kids um, and really dedicated set of kids. In fact, they meet so early that they have to get there before their other meetings that they get to. And so they're just, they're all in. Um, and so it's just going to take a little bit of guidance and direction with some youth pastors that we've had come on board there. Um, but I, I really see big things for that school and Westridge, um, Westridge has launched and they, they start off with, I think 15 to 20, they've been averaging 30, um, students every single meeting. And I think they're doing an awesome, awesome job 
of just really knocking it out of the park uh, at a brand new high school that's there uh, with lots of influx of, of just people from all over the city um, that are coming there, part of that county school. So um, working with a few, getting ready to try to get with a couple of the middle schools and get them up and going. Um, but again, when you're talking moving, man, there's a lot of details with moving, a lot of details with first priority. And so continuing to try to make connections with different churches and getting that rock and roll in the Kingsport. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Kingsport just for a moment, Aaron. So Kingsport's an area that's special to you because you raised your kid. Tell me, tell me what is uh, what draws you back to Kingsport beyond that, right? You gave some kind of perimeter things like serving the local church, connecting people, but what what drew you back to that spot? Because again, like you said, unless you live in Tennessee or you've got somebody you know is from there, it's it's not an area that you would be drawn to, but it's an area that a lot of people raise families. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's the people there. Um, I mean, the people there are just, they're just really good people. Um, you know, I've grown up here in South Florida, Florida area, and it's it's like New York B. You know, I, it's and it's funny because I remember the first time we came back with kids that we traveled back down to South Florida and we got like, like we were in line and like people were like giving us like nasty faces. Like, what are you doing here with kids versus Kingsport? You know, people were like, Oh, Hey. And like in, engaging with the children and um, you know, the school system there, uh, the people, the whole community, they care about their school system and they want to invest in their school system. Um, which is why I think you have a lot of input in Kingsport in particular um, into the school system, um, which is great, which is ultimately what led us there was that the people, um, but two, it was just more so God, um, because it's funny being, being, being from Florida and growing up in Florida, you know, there's no such thing as a hill. There's no such thing as a mountain. There's, there's, it is flat land. Um, and so it, it takes God to move us to the mountains because my wife, she can't handle driving in the mountains, but she does, she'll do it for, for God. So, um, it's the people ultimately, and, uh, that really drew us to that area uh, and the opportunities to, to really, to, influence uh, an area that a lot of times is overlooked and even overlooked when you talk Bible Belt schools is usually the last thing you think of but yet you talk to the teachers you talk to the supervisors and and all those they'll say yeah God is absent in these schools and yet it's supposedly the Bible Belt supposedly everyone goes to church everyone's a Christian and yet you walk you step foot on campus and you realize very quickly no that is not the case. And so want to try to make an impact in that area because there are so many good people. You have a team and I believe it takes a team to come alongside, takes the church, the capital C church to come alongside to help turn the tide of what Satan has been doing. Good. And, you know, when you talk about Sullivan County, which is what encompasses Kingsport, what is what is your target goal there? How many schools are you looking at right now that you want to unite the local church around in Sullivan County? I'd like to get to 15, but 13 is what we've kind of identified right now, um, at least to start with, to kind of get those up and going, get really solid churches, get behind them, um, and so that we can kind of get those rocking and rolling. Um, so that's what I've kind of identified so far, but obviously continue to, to expand from there, but start with the 13. Great, man. Great update. Thanks for thanks for catching us up on Kingsport. That's great. So the next guy I'd love for to jump in is Victor. And Victor is in Greenville, which is an area that has a ton of influence on the state of Tennessee. 
But again, a Greenville is an area that if you don't know Greenville, you you would never know it, right? You got to know somebody from it. So, Victor, catch us up on how you got to Greenville, Tennessee, man. Sure, uh, that's a good point. Where's Greenville? Greenville? What's that? Uh, so, uh, going back probably about fifteen years or so, my my wife and I would come up and, and visit uh, a couple that are currently our neighbors. Um, she and and the neighbor wife go back a long time to when my my wife was about 16 years old so they've they've known each other for like ever and uh my my wife lived up here about 40 years ago for a number of years and and had her first son here so there was some history and then she lived in florida for a long time i met her while i was at college and we did move up here about three years ago now almost uh mid 2019 right before covid um uh so we we got ahead all this Current craziness with the housing, but it was a it was a huge huge move. Uh, we moved ourselves basically, so uh, that's a whole nother story. But anyway, um, got up here and uh, got settled in, downsized a bit, and then uh, in uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I received the opportunity uh, an early retirement option through my employer. Uh, the stars kind of aligned there by the grace of God, and it was like. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll take this up. And as a matter of fact, on March 31st, it was my one-year anniversary of being retired from corporate IT. But uh, the Lord gave me, I always thought I'd be, it'd be nice to have four to six months of uh, at least to enjoy retirement uh, from all of that and decompress from a 30-plus year IT career before I would consider even going into another job. Well, about three months into that, uh, I came across, I wasn't even looking, but was led to this opportunity. Find myself staring at this this opening with this company called First Priority of America. Like, who's that? Uh, but anyway, I pursued it. That was on a what June first. Pardon? Yeah. What kind of oil bank? Weird. Like, what what is going on with that? What? Who are these people? <laughs> what are they? You had to be thinking. I have no idea what this name or these people mean. I had no idea, but when I read the job description, it really appealed to me because even in the midst of my my IT career, I I have over 20 years of local church uh, ministry leadership experience, uh, serving in that and doing evangelism and so forth. So so it really appealed to me. So I reached out, and that started the the the, the things in motion. It um, took a number of of months and all through through that process, but uh, at the end of five and a half months, I became employed with First Priority for the purpose of uh, focusing on Greene County here in Tennessee as a member of the the team approaching Tennessee One. So uh, that was really interesting to be able to now move into full time Christian ministry uh as as a focus because uh after about you know five six months of being retired from corporate it for sure and not going back to that i had enough stress there but it's like yeah it'd be nice to have have a particular goal because you know, I need something to do and what better so the, the lord answered prayer moved it there so uh, and the ability to to continue to be in, involved directly in evangelism, outreach, and the youth. When I had done street ministry um, back in Tampa, uh, and would go out and, and witness uh, on the streets to youth, but be well a ways away from my home, my local church, my home church, and 
not really having a good tie back to to you know students that I have an interest in all it's like I'm too far away they're not going to come to our church and I didn't know others so the model really with first priority and reaching into the school campus in partnership being pro-church and having that vehicle to not only present the gospel but for those that respond to already have that conduit to tie them back into a local church to get involved with the youth group and all to me was like that's a missing piece I, I love that model so let's let's key in on a few things I think that would be helpful for you to dig into. So one of those things that I think I just heard is that your burden really is to be local church driven with the idea that not just to be an evangelist, not just to train students to share the good news, but the idea that you get to plug them back into a place where they can be walked with. Uh, we use the word discipleship probably maybe too much in the midst, but to give them a family where they can grow in their faith and grow and grow both in mistakes as well as succession. So what, what draws you so dearly to want that side of it? I'm, I would love to just key in on that for a minute. What draws you to want to see students not only reach, but then plug back into the local church? Sure. The, when I, my involvement in the, in the local church goes back to the mid nineties and, and, uh, that's when I had um, I became ordained as an elder in the the EPC in early '98, but uh, and so served, did some preaching from the pulpit, taught taught adult classes and so forth. Um, but over the course of the years that followed, I really felt okay. I'm an I'm an elder and a leader in an in an evangelical church, but I'm not evangelizing. Something's missing. I don't even know how to do that. It wasn't until 2005 that basically, for a number of reasons, I left that church uh, and the Lord led me to a, a non-denominational church. But in the midst of it, I seized an opportunity to, to uh, at my own expense, go out to Los Angeles for a, a three-day evangelism boot camp, hit the ground there with about 60 other people, fish out of water, didn't know what I was doing or anything, but it's like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you and doing this. So from Hollywood Boulevard and Venice Beach and Huntington Beach, best I can recollect, and uh, handing out tracts and witnessing to people and even taking a step at open air preaching and so forth, which was terrifying. It was three days packed and I witnessed to more people in, in those three days than I had my entire time up to that. Um, and and uh, just felt so blessed. Now I'm I'm learning how to do evangelism. Came back to to Tampa, and uh, it would just kind of lit a new fire and a passion. But that that was with a parachurch organization, and and what it seemed and uh, that still bothered me was, okay, we go out, and I'd I'd even go in in Tampa. It's I I was out in the country area, but we'd go into downtown Tampa, Ybor City area, or we're out and, and hand out tracks and witness to people. But again, it was always, I wasn't there to put a notch in the belt. Uh, you know, how many, how many people you, you, you get, you get saved to me, the, the Lord's the one who confirms for person saved our jobs to deliver the message, but then to just kind of leave them hanging. Okay. You know, we prayed for you and uh, you know, have a nice life. It's like, we know that they're at, at risk that, that if they don't have a support system, the church, and again, again, here, I was too far away from my own local church. And even my local church wasn't, it's very few and far between people are evangelistically interested in going out and doing street ministry. It's, it's a tough thing. 
So that that began to be more of a burden that weighed on my heart that that feedback loop, if you will, that tie back to support them was was still missing. And being an officer, a leader in the church and, and teaching, um, I did a stint with um, Answers in Genesis to do um, training and, and just encourage and discipleship in the church. And just there's that added dimension, the gospel I look at it as gospel-driven evangelism because really the gospel isn't just for getting saved. It's for living that life. It's, it's the, the um, we talk about justification, sanctification, glorification. There's saint, the whole sanctification process that that discipleship is so important. And it's the church's role, not a parachurch organization, in my view. It's the church's role. And that's why first priority being so pro-church it, it, to me, I find so compelling as well, because we're not successful if we're not in partnership with the local church to reach these students. And they're the ones vulnerable. They, they're, they're, they're so whimsical, if you will. It, it, it's so easy to, to change. I mean, there, there's so much churn and dynamic going on in their brains, in their minds, in their, their social world and all, that it's so easy to like flipping a light switch off and on. And, and without a st- stability, you know, they can just they can say their their prayer or something, and and then think, oh, I'm saved. I want to follow Jesus today. And then, oh, things aren't going right. That didn't work for me. And you know, I'm not following him anymore. And okay, they weren't necessarily led to the Lord well, or they didn't have the grounding, the foundation to help nurture that. And um, so then they get tossed about to and fro. And it, you know, I, we don't know any person's heart and how the Lord's dealing with them in the process. Um, so in my mind, it's not ours to tell someone they are saved or not saved, but rather to make sure they're 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 receiving the gospel message and they're receiving the follow up. And uh, I, I just have had a burden for that ever since I've been involved in the local church ministry, especially from that 2005 point onward and uh, and the power of the prayer needing to be a part of that for people and you know, recognizing a lot of the proud grace of the humble. And I just think we have a, such a powerful combination here. And such as Aaron mentioned, the, the, the largest mission field in America right now is our, our, our public schools. And to be able to get on the public campus and, and, and stir them, reach them, and partner with the local church is just huge in my mind. So Greg Steer, I was at a, 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 a conference this weekend, and Greg Steer reminded all of us that were in the room that Right now, Barna says we lose about a million teenagers per year who walk away from the faith. They were somehow calling themselves Christians, but they have now said, I am not. And a lot of that, if you dig into the stats, says it's because we've not been focused on plugging them back into a family of believers. We've just assumed that if they were raised in it or if we brought them once or twice, then it would all connect. And that's not what discipleship is. That's not what being part of a local church is. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Aaron, how many schools, uh, middle schools and high schools, do you believe you're serving right now, trying to get first priority on and unite the local church around in the Greenville area? What are you working with as a territory? Yeah. In the Green County area, we have 10. We have two city schools, one middle and one high, and we have eight county, four middle and four high. They did some restructuring recently. It used to be more, but they, a number of K through eights, they made K through five and they've formalized the middle and high. So I've got a total of 10. There is some history, which um, I've spent time working with Haley on to understand going back 15, 20 years, first priority did have a presence in this area for a period of time. 
whether some of these schools had it called first priority and were doing first priority or just called it first priority, but we found we're doing other things and even blending it with FCA or whatnot. Um, and then they kind of just things over time, they didn't stay together for various reasons. So, you know, if it were up to me, we'd be in all 10 schools already, but it doesn't work that way. So we're building it. And, uh, uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, no, that's, that's good. what you've done is set us up. So we've got, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got Aaron, who's been around first party for a long time, but very new on the staff side in one of our better run, as well as just more fruit in the South Florida area. We've got Victor, who lived in an area where first party was, but wasn't connected to it there. And is fairly new to even just the process. And then we've got Haley, who, like me, has got about 15 years of tenure with first priority and Haley, you, you've been in all of the different areas as a silo, right? Trying to be the guy for a bunch of different areas. And now you've honed in on your own County. Talk a little bit for us, just catch us up in, you know, a couple of minutes about first priority and what it's been for you the last few years. And, and the idea of now working through um, being on a team. Well, the this county, this this area, maybe a few more counties in the Tennessee one area than what I was ministering with in the Blue Ridge area, um, is very large geographically uh, and very small population-wise. So, uh, what's happened when I was just over by myself here, overseeing that large geography uh, geographical area? was I had to be reactive. I couldn't be proactive. I couldn't take the time to pick a school and build a ministry around it. I had to react where God was going. And for some reason, God decided to do, he moved in all the peripheral areas, all the edges of the border. So all the ministries that have been around for, uh, for the last 10 years or so, 11 years, have all come within drive, you know, an hour drive from Johnson City. So uh, it was great to see that the, the smaller churches and the smaller communities of rural areas really wanted to see it happen. And that grew and we were able to see a lot of fruit from that. Of course, COVID affected us quite a bit. We lost uh, just about everything we had in, the, in Southwest Virginia. Um, and uh, we lost a few of the schools here. We're rebuilding those. But in the midst of coming back from COVID is when this Tennessee One project began. And uh, now that I have partners there is something I've prayed for for a long time. It's got to bring, I can't do this by myself. You got to help bring help. And uh, he bring in, brought in Victor and Aaron and uh, to be able to one, be not by myself anymore to have people that have the same purpose and same drive and same passion to just to talk with and interact with is fantastic, but to be able to hand off some of this territory to them and then focus on a smaller area myself, I'm now able to be proactive. I can go and say, we haven't had a club in this county and we're going to make sure it happens. So we're going to spend more time, more energy. Uh, that's not only, it's not only a blessing for me to be able to be freed up and focus. I think it's also a blessing for the local churches that I worked with. Let's just say in Green County or Cock County or any of the outlying areas that now they have somebody in the county uh, in that area that's focused on their area. So it's, it's, it's honoring of, to them to be able to tell them that we're going to invest even more into them because somebody's going to focus just on 
your area is going to get to know your school is going to get to know you so much better and not be a jack of all trades, if that makes sense. We can be a master of one or two counties and not be a jack of all counties. So I'm, oh. I've already seen that uh, benefit from that, even though we're st I'm still working in the process of handing off a lot of this to these two new guys. But I've already seen the, the ability to uh, focus has been a fantastic thing. It's, yeah. it's already producing fruit. It makes tons of sense. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Hey, I was going to say just the reality that the fruit be to be able to see the fruit of your labor from a team perspective. We're a, we're a team of guys that are focused in on 13 counties in the northeast corner of Tennessee with one goal. Right. Our one goal is how do we unite the local church to train students to reach their peers with the gospel. Right. It's so easy. I was sitting in an airport again on that same trip this week and a guy in my area said, okay, I've heard of first priority, but can you give me the elevator? And because that rolled off my tongue the same way, he kind of looked at me sideways and he said, that's clean. I said, you're right. It's, it's very clear what our teams are doing. We're uniting the local church around one goal, train students to reach their peers to the gospel. I can give you all the details that go behind that, but that's who we are. Who we are as an organization that helps people understand the best person to reach a 15-year-old is a trained 15-year-old. And so that's why First Party is who it is. So one, <clears throat> Haley, if you will, just Johnson City's in what county? We're in Washington County, Tennessee. Okay. And, and how many schools do you feel like you're going to be serving in the fall when you guys launch again this fall? Because we're, we're winding the school year down as this podcast comes out. So what are you seeing in the fall? Well, because of the it's, it's strange how God didn't really work in my area. And I was, I was working in the community. I've got two campuses of 32 in my new now four county area. Yep. So to turn around and say, uh, you know, we're going to have X amount of schools in the fall when it's just now starting to be able to focus on those. Uh, I really can give you a number. I'd say at least right now, um, I the, just in the last, against this big, I guess since the beginning of the school year, or the school this year, not school year, but this calendar year, uh, I've got leads into about 11 schools that I never really had leads into. So right. of those 32, I would love to see uh, a dozen by very first of August launched. Um, the one school that are one county that's Carter County, I just got invited into a network of youth pastors there. There's 19 churches that I've never had contact with because they're all small enough to where their youth pastors are not, they're all volunteers or they're part-time. And, uh, and so that, those, that network there, uh, all four uh, high schools in that County have kids going to those 19 churches. So we could easily in the fall launch the four high schools there and then pick up the middle schools just in that one County. So. So let me let me start to land the plane here in this conversation. If I'm somebody with first priority that's thinking about a coordinator position, I'm thinking about being part of a district. What I just heard the three of you say pretty clearly is, number one, this is hard work. This is you're not going to walk in and just launch these things, which is fine. People, people who like hard things, the kind of people we want. Right. We want folks that don't mind the grind and don't mind doing things that aren't simple. Because the simple part of it is, once you figure out, number two, that your audience are students and that the best way that a student can be reached is through a student, which means, number three, all of you are, are 
in we're in April. All of you are planning at this point, and I loved that in your conversation about your launch, how you're going to launch schools in the fall, right? Next school year is already here for those of us that are involved in campus ministry. So as we close, I am just curious for each of you, what are your plans? And then we'll close this up. What are your plans, each of you, in a very short spent um, for how you're going to train your students um, in the fall? Like, how are you going to get this summer to the fall? Haley, we'll go backwards. We'll start with you. Uh, so during the COVID, we switched uh, training models from asking everybody in a county to come together on one day to training students in the campuses, on the campuses, in the clubs. Uh, we have been able to train 10 times the number of students by doing it on campus. And that's the that's what I would think that's the best model I've seen so far uh, to be able to just go in uh, and then not just me doing the training, that's, my, that's what's been happening. I wanna hand that off to the campus coaches. So they're actually doing the training in their own schools. Uh, again, that handing off that, uh, uh, the what is the call where ministers are to empower the believers for ministry. So just to give more ministry responsibility out to be able to nurture the, that network of youth pastors and campus coaches and let them do the trainings. But to me, that would be training the students in the schools uh, in the first two to three weeks of their club meetings and allowing, especially in the middle schools, when it's hard to get a, a middle school or a lot of our clubs have school or have, students that don't go to church, uh, their families are not believers, and to ask them to come to a, something special on a yeah. Saturday in the, in the fall, they can't get there, and, yeah. but they can be at school 30 minutes early. They can be there to be trained, and so that, I think that's what, I'll, you know, that's what I plan to do is the in-school training this fall as we launch. Great. You use some internal language, and I just want to bring clarity. If we do have listeners that are new and considering either a district position or a coordinator position, the campus coach for us is those partners that are youth pastors, parents, youth leaders who say, hey, I love what you're doing and I want to serve students on the campus. And so they go through a bunch of things to become called a campus coach, including training from us. Victor, Haley just talked about the fact he's going to go school to school in training. Uh, wh where do you see with the schools that you feel like in the fall are going to launch? Are you going to do a single or are you going to try to do everybody on their campus? I've I've talked with Haley at length for because he's been doing this for so long in this area, and I I in, certainly intend to follow the same model of school by school as we launch the clubs, just to spend the first one or two sessions <clears throat> training, going through the training at that time, basically just in time and and uh, teeing them up them up to be be successful. It makes a lot of sense. Um, what I've what's become very clear is this is not cookie cutter as I've interacted with approaching uh, or targeting each of the, the, the schools and, and the, the inroads, it seems I have a different path in potentially for the different school, whether there's been a, a teacher at a school that's been doing a Bible club already, that's agreed to, to, to change it to first priority and adapt it to uh, a coach in, in a school who's been doing a hybrid model. But, uh, and, and I just actually this past week met with a, a youth pastor and his pastor and got their buy-in where he's excited to be a campus coach for it, even though they don't have students there. So that's a gap that I was missing on the outskirts uh, to another teacher at a, at a middle school that 
uh, with two other ladies. They've been doing a similar thing, uh, leading students and the openness there. Uh, but then to some others where I have the youth pastors that are interested and want their students to get involved, um, but we don't have the inroad yet through the student or a teacher. So again, each, each one's requiring a little bit different approach. I think realistically now, three to five, five to seven by the end of this fiscal year, uh, hopefully, certainly all 10 by this time next, next year, um, but just trying to be realistic and patient and uh, trusting in the Lord to move in his timing and not, not, not get ahead of him, but still be right there, you know, looking sure. and, and taking the steps as he's directing them. Hey, hey, Ron, that leads us to your area. What's your plan for, uh, for your area? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. It's because it's relationships ultimately. And that's, and that to me, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to rub shoulders with as many students and as many youth leaders and pastors and church or churches that you can. And so that's, that's really my objective to get as many camps and, and just hang out and be around students and let them hear, let them hear the heart of the ministry. Um, because I think ultimately that's, you know, if you're, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, right, what, what does that mean to be these kind of things? Well, the reason you're getting into these things, that that's the heartbeat that God has given to you. Um, it's the passion that God has given to you and just let students let other leaders hear that um, to catch that, to catch what God is doing, because people want to be a part of something. And I believe being a part of first party is being a part of the greatest thing that you can be a part of, which is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the very last thing that Jesus tells us before he goes. What does he yeah. say? Go into all the world. Think of your last dying words. Your last dying words are going to be your most important words. You're not going to say, Hey, don't forget to get this at the grocery market, right? Like, Jesus is telling us, focus in on this. And that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to share as that good news of Jesus Christ, because it matters and it matters forever. And when you're able to just rub shoulders with others and just let that heartbeat come through of who you really are, others will catch that. Um, and just as that relationship builds with other churches and youth leaders and even into students, um, they'll catch that vision and then just like a, a trickle down effect, it then leads its way right onto the campus that students are beginning to not only then be trained on campus or if if they can't do it on campus, man, hey, we'll, we'll find a church to do it. We'll find a to do it at camp, whatever we've got to do to help reach those students so that they know. And I and I know the way that it goes. You also want repetition, right? You don't want just one way. You want to say it over and over and over again so that students and leaders, they catch it, they know it um, to where it flows off the tongue just easily. And so that's that's the objective is is to, to grind at it, just like you said, picking at it. It's not going to happen overnight. It's something that you work at every single day and you just are are living the life that God has called you to live. And that that overflow of your spirit will come through to those students. Good. Uh, I will just simply close with this. The beauty of everything you guys talked about today is that you all have a long view of what it's going to take to reach the next generation. It's not a splash. It's not a 36 hour entertainment. It is a long view of how to see revival show up. And you all talked about the fact that you are going to give it away. It feels very uppercase kingdom to me and not lowercase building my kingdom. All of that is attractive to me as a first priority leader. 
And so thanks for leading well. Thanks for having a five-year view in front of you. Thanks for looking at the windshield and uh, using the rear view mirror for training, but not using it for how you're going to figure out next, right? That the windshield is your view. That's beautiful. So guys, thanks for telling the story of Tennessee One. Excited to tell some of the other stories on the podcast that are happening. Haley, Aaron, Victor, much honor to you guys. Well, Steve, I think that uh, was an amazing conversation. Appreciate you leading that through with them. Um, I just, I mean, you talk about the 10-year guy and the new guy. Um, I, I would give kudos to Haley for making the transition that he's made yep. uh, to go from leading his own chapter to joining a bigger team. I know it's uh, been his dream to have a team around him for know, 14 years, however long he's yeah, been doing it. that's exactly uh, right. But at the same time, to actually make that move it's, it's not easy, and he's done a great job walking through each step of that process. Think about the number of times you and I have been in meetings with other ministries, and we have quoted or talked about ego and logo. Yeah. That the two major killers of ministry is ego and logo. Yep. And he is, even though he's a man, right, and he's mm -hmm. got pride, mm -hmm. he is the epitome of somebody who has put the team before himself. Yep. I would agree. And he is benefiting from it because yep. he has what he's always wanted. The first priority benefit in front of it. It's from it. huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's Big huge. Time. We didn't mean to do that on purpose, but that it has been. So I'm sure Haley actually listens to the podcast. He tells me about it when he listens. So Haley, kudos to you. Yep. We're, we're very um, we're very grateful uh, for your continued movement in that mm -hmm. direction and right. how it's being transformative for that part of the country. And it's just amazing to see what God's doing and uh, the schools that are opening and the students that are rising up. I'm excited for this fall really to see, because that's when they're really going to hit the ground running with, with Aaron around there and, and when, Victor. Yeah. You're jumping on the other thing I was going to say, which is it's interesting on that team, the very clear giftings that each of them have. Yeah. And yeah. how they're making each other better because they're majoring on their giftings mm -hmm. and not majoring on the things that they're not good at. Yep. And they they really kind of fill each other's gaps. Yep. And know it. I would agree. So they're a strong team. I would agree. I would agree. Excited to, to see what God does this fall. I'm excited to get them back on in the future uh, and be a part of it. Maybe at the fall conference this fall, we can have the districts give a special report and update us on what's going on. That's a pretty good plan. I, I like it. it. Cool. That's two times we've said the same thing at the same time. We should probably get off at this point. <laughs> we we've probably should. We've done good. <laughs> We're really going to start making fun of each other. Exactly. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to today's <laughs> podcast. We're so glad that you were with us. And uh, yeah, uh, we're sorry. Yeah, we are sorry. <laughs> but we'll keep doing it anyway. We will. We yes, absolutely will. That's right. Uh, don't forget to like, share, comment. Give us a five-star review on your platform, podcast platform of choice. That's right. And until next week. We'll talk to you later. See you.